we've just gotten back from a, a, a trip to, uh, to uh, Omaha to see our, our daughters and our grandchildren. And it was a wonderful time. But I got to say, it's great to be back in my own church with you folks. Um, it's it's a, a, a blessing to be here, and it is a privilege. Oh, yes, I forgot. Uh, it, with your parents' permission, the children are dismissed to Children's Church. I knew there was going to be something, and yeah, that was, hopefully that was all it, all it is. Yeah, so anyway, we, we made this uh, wonderful trip to uh, Omaha, and we just got back, and the, it, it's great to be here in a church. And it's a privilege to be able to stand up here before you um, this morning on, uh, on the last day of 2023. And, of course, like anyone, uh, when New Year's approaches, uh, you probably have resolutions and decisions that you're trying to make for the next year, like, let's lose some weight. All right. Don't, don't, don't beat me up on that one. But... Uh, With that kind of thought in mind, I kind of felt this is a good time to step back and perhaps do a reset in our minds and our hearts. You know, make some changes. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, there's a very good chance that I will step on some people's toes today, and I hope you will forgive me, and I hope that uh, you will hear the intent that's behind it. And if I make a mistake, Forget what I say and look at the scriptures. With that in mind, let's pray. Dear Lord, I, I, I sincerely come before you humbly uh, begging your help to, to, to really change my heart and our hearts uh, in, a, in a way that we would, that we would see the glory of God uh, in, our, in our lives, but also to shine through our lives to those people uh, around us. I, I confess, Lord, that as time grows, grows on in my life, uh, it's becoming obviously more and more difficult to do anything, even to stand, and I need help. And each of us in our own way needs help. And I'm so thankful that I can see heroes of the face. One of my you know, heroes is not even able to stand, and yet he loves you. He serves you faithfully, and I pray each of us would recapture that kind of, of, of feeling, that sense of, of never giving up and never uh, giving in to the pressures that uh, surround us. So with that in mind, God, we just pray that as we were singing today, uh, who can stand against us if God is for us? And may that be the thought that we capture on this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, I'm going to start with another story. Uh, some 51, 52 years ago, I set out on a mission. And that mission was to buy a wedding ring. Okay. Now, it's, kind of, it's got a kind of a funny twist to it, but that's, you know, you, you, you judge. Uh, in any event... Uh, Julie and I went shopping, and we looked at rings here, we looked at rings there, and I made note that she liked this particular ring, and so I bought it. Now, I'm in college. You know, 
that, that just about exhausted my funds. And the last thing I wanted to do was lose it before I was going to give it to her on, uh, on Valentine's Day. You know how it goes, right? So what did I do? Oh, you know, I'm in a dorm room, and I'm afraid somebody's going to come in and steal it because, you know, basically I had a glorified sock drawer to, to hide it in, you know? So what did I do? I hid it in the tea bag, you know? And I had a tea collection at that time, and I figured nobody's going to look in a tea bag, are they? You know. Well, anyway, they finally came, and I got it out, and I got the box, and and I knew, you know, and you probably know about the boxes that rings come in. You know, you never see a white ring box. What color is it usually? Black. You know, maybe it's blue velvet. But there's that dark background that shows off the brilliance of that diamond ring. Now, I actually kind of cheated, and I stuck it in my, my Valentine's card and cut a little hole in the card so it couldn't show so much. And so when she opened it up, she could see the ring. But you, know, you get the idea. You've got this dark background that shows off you know, the brilliance of the ring in the same way. We all, every day of our lives, I think, face darkness. And if we react to it in a godly way, what ends up happening is our lives magnify, you know, through the darkness, the goodness of God. And yet sometimes I fear that there are voices out there that can tend to cloud the brilliance. You know, that we kind of fade into the background and into the darkness ourselves. And that is the reset that I am speaking about. Anybody here have a hearing aid? Raise your hand. Yeah, I know it. Anybody here need a hearing aid? Yeah, probably me. Well, if you're in that stage of, the, of life, you know, what is the hardest thing to do? And that is to be in a room where there's lots of voices going on, like in a restaurant. Am I right? Yeah, you're in a restaurant and, and, and Fred's talking to you. I can't hear Fred over the, over the roar, you know, of all of those other voices. And I think sometimes we face these voices in a similar way. You know, there are in our community, and I'm kind of coming after social media here. So, like I said, it might step on a toe or two. Please forgive me. Uh, you know, things in social media can have a tendency to, to instill in us through these competing voices, uh, you know, at the minimum, a distraction. At the maximum, anxiety and fear. And I think that this, I'm sure that this is not in God's will. So we're going to basically do three things today, or four things. We're going to first off look at uh, in our key passage and, and make some observations. And then from there, we're going to look down the gun barrel at some of these dark voices that I think confuse us and distract us. And then we're going to look at ways, you know, that we can basically combat that. We're going to have two sections of that, I think. But how do we stand against these voices? That's going to be the third major, you know, section that we're going to go through. So let's start moving our way through the passage itself. 
So if you do have your Bible, that's great. It's always nice to be able to make notes in your own Bible or underline or do whatever it is. If not, up on the, it'll be up on the screen. So we're going to start with today's key passage. And the first, the first observation that, that I want to make about this passage has to do with our focus, that we want to focus on first things first. Um, the passage, as we've already just looked at and you know, heard, is from Matthew 6. We're going to start here in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into harvest, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, this comes from the, you know, the famous you know, sermon that Jesus gave on the mount. And he is giving uh, not a, a way to get saved, but what he's looking at are, are the, uh, uh, the, the characteristics of a person committed to himself. And one of these characteristics that we're going to, you know, that we're focusing on today is that of, of the issue of anxiety. And as I said, the first, uh, uh, the first observation I make is that we are to keep our focus on first things first. As you look at this passage, you'll notice that his, his first pointed comment is he's looking at people worried about this life, you know, the, the stuff and the comfort that goes with this life. And his first focus point is, hey, is life not more than, than food? I look at this as, as a sense of priority of our life's purpose. You know, God does have a plan for your life. And this plan is so much higher than daily subsistence that basically... That, that issue of being cared for fades into the background. It's also a priority of personal value. You know, at the, his closing comment in this segment is, are you not worth much more than they? So he's looking at, you know, uh, you know that comparison about food and, you know, the stuff and the comfort that goes with life. Aren't you more important than that? You know, and I think that's a a really important you know, position for us to be in, to recognize that, A, you know, our, our purpose, our plan is, is so much more significant than we can imagine. And that, B, you know, our own value of life is up there. You know, it's a priority, I think, this intends to say in God's mind. You know, there's a, a backup to this we'll get to in a minute. Now, the second... Uh, uh, observation I want to make is about fear and anxiety that they are counterproductive. You know, he goes on to say in verse 27, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And, and you know, that's a rhetorical question, right? And the answer to that is, can you add an hour to your life by worrying? No. So his point is that worry is in, in fact, counterproductive, and works against you. You know, basically, it's, it's wasted time. It distracts you. It disturbs you. 
It keeps you from focusing on the first things first. And so obviously, a person who is in, in faithful service to Jesus Christ is going to be a person who, who backs away from fear and anxiety as a way of life. Because it's going to keep you from fulfilling your purpose, you know, to, to magnify Jesus to the world around you. And don't we all want to do that? Don't we all kind of have a sense of feeling that we're not doing it the way that we should? Well, this is where the reset button gets pushed. And we start making some changes. And we take Jesus' observation here very seriously. Fear and anxiety are counterproductive. The third observation comes from verse 28, 29, um, and 30. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Now, this might sound just a little bit redundant, and in a, in a way it is. It is kind of a repetition of the, of the observation in our, our previous statement. But it is so important that Jesus wanted this to be abundantly clear to each and every one of us. You know, that essentially we need to know and we need to be thoroughly convinced that Jesus cares about us. And if Jesus cares about us, he'll take care of us. Now, just imagine that you have a baseball that's been signed by Babe Ruth, you know, one of the all-time you know, stars of, of baseball. Not, much, not that I'm much of a baseball fan. But if you had a baseball like that, I wonder how much it's worth today to have a, a signed Babe Ruth baseball. Would you take that baseball and toss it off to a bunch of neighborhood kids to take down to the school ball field and beat it up? Nope, nope. You'd be putting that under, a, you know, a glass jar or, you know, bell jar or something, so that not anything could get at it. You might even hide it from the, you know, sunlight so that it doesn't fade the signature. You'd take care of the things you care about. And don't you think Jesus is going to do the same thing? You know, if he cares about you, he's going to take care of you. And so that's the point, I think, the observation of this particular passage. God Jesus cares about you. The fourth observation comes from the last little bit of verse 30, 31, 30 up to 33. You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what we will wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? Amen. Well, it's indeed true that we're not going to be able to avoid work. You know, that, that's what life is about. Life is about work. 
In fact, Paul told us about the lazy in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. However, the point that this part of the passage is making is that there is a priority here going on. That our priority is that the things that truly matter is our obedience to Jesus Christ, pursuing growth in him, so according to Jesus, if we do that, tomorrow will take care of itself. If you simply take care of today. You know, that's the thing we really need to be worrying about. What kind of life am I living today for Jesus? And if I'm doing what God has called me to do, then tomorrow is going to take care of itself. It's a given according to this According to this passage. So finally, there's a one more, uh, there's this prioritizing your efforts. Uh, you of little faith, do not worry then. Oh, that's the where we are, prioritizing our efforts. We want to put Jesus first. Now that that brings us into the second part of my message. And this is kind of observational about life in general. So the first thing I want to do is just simply say, we're going to face down the anxious voices that are competing for our attention. Like I said, these voices are out there and, you know, they're not all in the same conversation. They're not all aligned with God's will. And we can't give in to the voices that are coming from the dark side. All right? So what are we looking at? Well, first off, we got to face down the bad news of today. Okay, let's just for a moment step back to the times of COVID. How bad was that, right? You know, and, and we might think that we got through COVID. Well, I hear that we got another wave of COVID potentially coming at us with another strain yet of that, of that dread virus. How are we going to face that? Well, it's bad news. Turn on the news. What do you hear about? The Ukrainian war. You hear about Putin and his, his threats. Even nuclear threats. Is that not scary? It is. If you give in to it. We got the Israel-Hamas conflict going on. You know, we all know Israel's sort of a focal point in that area of the world, and it worries us. And to top it all off, last Thursday, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, however you say that, ordered his country's military munitions industry and nuclear weapons sector to accelerate their war preparations to counter the U.S., what they claim or he claims is unprecedented and confrontational moves by the U.S. Whoa. You know, it's all out there. You know what I say to that? So what? You know, if we're in Jesus, I don't think we need to fear. Uh, what does the Bible say about this? Psalm 56, 11 says, In my God, I have put my trust. I shall not be Afraid, what can man do to me? So ultimately, if you trust God, so what? You know, 
There have been bad times in the past. So don't obsess over how bad everything is. You know, I don't know. I've, if I've heard once, I bet I've heard a hundred times that we must be in the last days because of all these bad things. Nah, not necessarily. I had a professor once that said, you know, that strange events do not self-interpret. All we really know about a strange event is that it's a strange event. You know, so we can't necessarily pull out of these things and say, hey, because we see this in, in Ukraine and that in China and whatever it is, we must be in the last days. Nah, don't obsess over those things. Be like the psalmist. I placed my trust in God. I shall not be afraid. Remember that evil has always been with us. Today's news is not unique. Consider this. How do you think Moses and his people felt during the Egyptian captivity when male boys were exposed in order to be exterminated? That, that, that had to have been a, a rough, rough time. I bet they wished it were the end days. Consider the Assyrian conquest. When the Assyrians moved in, they were ruthless and they took their defeated foes and piled their heads in pyramids and moved on. Consider the Babylonian assault. You know, when they were, you know, pinned in to Jerusalem, you know, they, they were reduced to the point of women having to eat the afterbirth, you know, from, you know, giving birth to, birth to children. How horrible that must have been. In more modern times, I take that kind of loosely, what about the Black Plague? From 1346 to 1353, between 75 and 250 million people were killed by the bubonic plague. Thank you, fleas. Civil War. We killed over a million of our fellow Americans. Well, that must have been a terrible time. And then think of the Holocaust. Six million Jews and undesirables were exterminated. I bet all of these people were thinking, oh, the end of the world is at hand. Let me tell you this. The end times don't matter as much as this precious day. Live in it in faithful service to Jesus Christ and let him take care of the end times. You know, so don't worry about those signs. Don't let that, don't let that fuss with you. The next uh, point I want to make in this segment of facing down these, uh, these competing and strange things, what about the prophets and the dreamers out there? You know, I don't know about you, but I got friends that keep sending me links. You know, I'm very tempted to hit that block button. Maybe it would be a good idea. Because they, they keep telling me about these prophets and people that are predicting things. And to me, it all kind of has a tendency to confuse me and, 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 and make me scared if I listen to those voices. And I don't think we should be. You know, uh, for, for one thing, these prophets, these dreamers are contradictory, confusing, and in many cases, simply incorrect. And do you think that God wants us to listen to those kinds of things? Not me. I don't believe it. Not one little bit. You know, I, I remember at the last election, 
there was one so-called prophet who predicted that Donald Trump would win the election in a landslide. Well, we're coming around to another side. I guess it's still a possibility if you want to extend out. Uh, but it didn't happen, did it? You know, I, I, I remember somebody sent me a link to a dream, a prophetic dream. And it was right about that same time, I guess. And this prophet dreamt that there were Chinese and Russian troops massing on the Canadian and Mexican and or Mexican borders, and that in December, they would swoop across the borders and, you know, cause, you know, massive issues here in the United States. Well, the trouble was that December they were talking about was three or four years ago, you know, and it didn't happen. That tells me something about the source of these prophecies and dreams. Do they come from God? I don't think so. You know, don't get me wrong. I do believe in prophecy, but it's a per the prophecy of the word of God that really matters to me. I want you to consider uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, when we're facing down these strange voices. Uh, Paul wrote, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the voices that come from God aren't here to distract us and confuse us but they're to point us to victory. That victory is Jesus. He's won it. And that victory is going to be ours one day. And that's what real prophecy is intending for us to do, is to look forward eagerly for those coming days. So many times we've heard Pastor John speak about how he longs for the coming of the Lord. We all should. It's going to be a day of victory. I remember hearing a story. Don't know whether it's true or not, but it's, it's neat. You know, some little kid had been reading, you know, the, the, the book of Revelation, and he was asked by somebody what he thought about it. And, you know, it could be confusing to a child, right? And he said, in the end, Jesus wins. That's what real prophecy is all about. So, victory, comfort comes from Jesus' true, true prophecies, uh, and that's what we should be looking forward to. Now, I think there's two, two ways you can take prophecy, even biblical prophecy. You can kind of get scared about it. You know, I, I know people that are thinking, oh my goodness, you know, look what's coming, the, the mark of the beast. We're all going to be chipped. Oh, goodness. You know, if... if, if the end times came 100 years ago, the mark of the beast would have been a tattoo. A thousand years ago, it would have been a brand. The technology doesn't matter. Not one little bit. So we can either take one or two paths. We can kind of live in fear for the, the next big event. The Antichrist, the mark of the beast, digital currency, blah. Or we can live in anticipation of the victory we have in Jesus Christ. Let's choose victory. That's the path that we should be choosing. All right. 
I think I'm going to go on and move on and just simply say, so what to all this stuff? What does the Bible have to say about it? Isaiah had an answering to the muttering of the false teachers of his day. Um, and this I'm, I'm pointing at uh, sort of these mysterious signs that some people are saying are happening in the sky and so forth. And this is what Isaiah said in, in uh, chapter 8, verse 11 to 13. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people saying, you are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. And he shall be your fear and he shall be your dread. So we don't fear what the people fear. We, we, we fear, we reverence our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we're facing these anxious voices, and there are others, some people point to things like gematria, you know, the, that's numbers, you know. And they suppose that each word, letter has a number associated with it, and there's hidden meaning underneath those numbers. I say bunk to that, you know. Let's just pay attention to the word of God and follow the will of God and let this day take care of it. You know, we take care of today and let the next days take care of themselves. Now, the last thing that we're going to be talking about is a, is a switch because everything we've looked at thus far is external. You know, it's out there, the voices that are coming at us. What about the voices inside of us? You know, there are voices that are competing within us. So we might be thinking of sins that we have committed. Guilt, shame, failures, personal disasters, whatever it might be. We still trust in God. So, so what? Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who, is in, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you, you will not grow weary and lose heart. Long ago, I used to run track. And my coach, pretty much not a great coach at all, but he did say one thing that was useful. He said, never look behind. Because the moment you look behind, you lose a step. And you might lose the race. And Paul is basically saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. He suffered, and he continued. You may suffer, but don't let, it, don't let it frustrate you. Don't let it frighten you. Keep moving forward. Also, Psalm 62, verse 8. God's telling us we can do this. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Selah, it means something like meditational pause. Stop and think. You know, this is important. Trust in him 
at all times. And if you've got internal voices that are, that are bugging you, don't forget one of my favorite verses, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that cleansing comes from the, you know, kind of temple complex idea. You know, in the temple, you had a distinction between vessels that could be used in service and then common things that you didn't use. And basically what he's saying is, when you confess your sins before God, you're cleansed and fit for service. Do like God does and put it in your past and move forward. Don't let those voices stop you. You can do it. You will be cleansed as you come before God humbly in confession. He will fit you for service. Now, the last thing I want to do is kind of just touch on a couple of ideas to say, how can you go about doing this? How do you tame these anxious voices in your head? Got a couple of verses. First, prioritize the solid truths of the word of God over human wisdom. Psalm 119, that entire psalm is devoted to the word of God. And it says in verse 45, I will walk in liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimony before kings and shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. And it's that commitment to God's word that makes him stand at liberty and be able to not tremble before the kings of this world. And we can do the same if we prioritize the solid truths of the word of God over human wisdom. Secondly, train your mind towards wisdom through prayer and meditation. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, take these verses that we've got here and meditate on them. Pray over them. Because that's what leads us into the confidence that we can stand at liberty even before, you know, what might be considered dangerous situations. Finally, and this is pretty obvious, commit yourselves to a walk of trust and obedience. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. You know, think about it. Which path is better to follow? The zigzaggy line where you might get lost or the straight path? And he's saying, trust in the Lord. He'll give you that straight path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then... Simply devote yourself to service, faithful service, rather than idle speculation. Psalm 1, I like this psalm, it's a, one of my favorites. How blessed is the man who does not walk 
in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. He's not listening to those strange voices. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Ah, even the people that scoff. Nah. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Now, have any of you ever called the tech line? You know, what is the first thing they're going to tell you to do, right? Reboot. And those of us who've been in, in computers for long enough will remember the three-fingered salute, right? And it's Control-Alt-Delete. Well, it's time for a Control-Alt-Delete. Because ultimately, this is a choice that you have to make and I have to make. Whatever the cause of your anxiety, if it's outside, if it's inside, doesn't matter. We got to choose. We can choose to allow those fears to, you know, ebb away at our confidence and we walk the path of fear and failure, or we can choose the path of trust and triumph. So what am I saying? Simply this. I want all of us to live this precious day in trust and obedience to Jesus Christ and then let him take care of tomorrow. All right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the promises we have in Scripture and the instructions that we have. May we truly walk by them. Oh, God, help us. Help us to walk in trust. Help us to walk in victory so that we can show off to this dark world the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That's the purpose of the church, to, to stand as a beacon on the hill uh, to show off Jesus Christ to this world and help us as a congregation to pull together in faith and trust and not fear. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what do I want from you? I want you to have a happy, no, no, correct that, a joyous new year in Jesus Christ. Okay, thank you.